listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting The Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. It is Monday. It is Mental Health Monday as we continue Emotions and the Gospel of Deaconess Heidi Gaiman. And we move on to perplexity today. <laughs> this is... This one's a fun one to say. Perplexity? It sounds like, yeah. I sound really... Perplexity. Int- sound really intelligent. <laughs> Heidi, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I always aim to help you guys sound more intelligent. That's maybe one Thank of my you. goals. Yeah. No, it's good. Appreciate that. I, I think just by, I feel like I've gone through an entire course by doing this each it's week. True. I feel like I'm learning so oh, much. I that, love it. Well, we talked about this last time. I feel like I should get a certificate when I'm done with this. We can make ourselves. You were talking about making a badge. Like, some badge, that's right. have listeners yes. like email you and say, I listened to all the Emotions Mental Health Monday, you know, and. <laughs> And then we'll be like, oh, here's your badge. Yeah, you did it. Here's your can of emotional soup. You're welcome. <laughs> That's good. You win a little bit of clarity and a lot of soup like that. <laughs> yeah. So today we dig into, as we, we look at emotions and the gospel, we dig into perplexity. Can you give us some examples of perplexity to help us understand maybe what, what perplexity is? Absolutely. Perplexity is a a confusion. It's a cognitive confusion. So a lot, like a lot of emotions, it has a very specific cognitive thinking aspect to it with a a distinct emotional component. And so the confusion couples in perplexity with a sense of uncertainty. And so pretty much anything that's like disordered will bring perplexity to us, especially if it just it doesn't feel quite right is the sense of perplexity. It's that brain fog where you're like right on the edge, right, of like understanding something, but it doesn't quite fit. There's a missing piece to the puzzle. And so I included this one just because Perplexity is, I think, an often ignored experience of our sense of brokenness in this world. Like the things aren't quite right show up a lot. That doesn't always mean they're heavy, right? There's plenty of heaviness and brokenness. But I think perplexity is the lighter end of that spectrum where you're just like, what? Like, what is going on? You know? And so I would say some examples, especially in childhood. I think it's a little bit easier to engage in seeing this right off the front end. And so when, you know, there's, okay, this sounds really silly, but like if you, you know, we call things one thing and then suddenly someone calls it a different thing, like in a different culture, or if someone's only ever called them Kleenex, not an advertisement for Kleenex, your whole life, and then someone offers you a tissue, you're like, what? Like, you know, you don't quite get it. And that that is not destabilizing. So that's almost perplexity, but really that's, you know, more toward con- confusion. And so it's perplexity is the thing that would destabilize us. So I would say even this is present in some certain heavy things like when some this this is a maybe a terrible example, but when someone tells us they're getting a divorce and we're very surprised by that, like it doesn't quite make sense to us. We didn't see it coming. That can include a lot of emotions, but I would say that perplexity commonly is one. 
especially when you're younger or when you haven't had that many people in your life experience something like that. You're just like, but wait, what? Like, and you feel off kilter, that off kilterness with the confusion, with not quite having the pieces to make the puzzle work for you. And and it's going to take some sorting that is perplexity in our life. Yeah, it's it's very it's so close to confusion, but like that extra added feeling of of not quite knowing the answer is that is that is that what makes it different from confusion? I really think it's the uncertainty or the destabilization that makes it perplexity, and that is my intuitiveness <laughs> from research and from like diving in scripturally to this. And then also, you know, kind of understanding it from what we understand of like the cognitive confusion and things and dissonance, we call it in cognitive learning where you can't quite get the answer. There's a little bit that might help from scripture, actually. Remember, these are forgotten emotions of scripture. So we're understanding them from the Greek and Hebrew perspective and then also from our own cultural vantage point. And it's kind of cool when you think about emotions and putting those pieces together. The Hebrew terms for perplexed are related to wandering or entanglement, which is really interesting. That's It's a little bit different from the, the Greek experience of it. They remind us that we are wandering in this life to some degree. So it's that distinct feeling that we're pilgrims, right? Like that, like, wait, this isn't quite right. I don't quite fit here. This doesn't fit together. Then the Greek scriptures more pointedly acknowledge the feelings of being at a loss in perplexity. So there's this experience in the Gospels of Herod experiencing perplexity when John the Baptist speaks truth of the gospel, which is like, I think it's kind of cool. Like God uses perplexity very clearly in that. Now, did it end? Oh, no. But at the same time, like God's work was done, right? And I do think being honest that even God's word and God's gospel can be a little destabilizing. That perplexity, I think perplexity is one of those cool emotions where we can very much see that there's there's not just negative and positive emotions. There's elements that make us comfortable and uncomfortable in emotions. And perplexity, you see both of those things. So the order that is missing of like, for instance, the religious law that existed for the Pharisees at that time that Herod thought he knew and understood in his place as a leader, then for John the Baptist to be like, oh, there's a whole new law now, and his name is Jesus, and he's mixing this up, that's destabilizing. And that's the real significant element of perplexity. You also talk about shame and inadequacy all kind of wrapped up when we feel perplexed. There's like these extra layers of what that does to us. Can you talk about that relationship of of shame and inadequacy when we're feeling perplexed? Yeah, I think this especially happens in our adult worlds. Kids have it come in, but they're just a freakishly naturally resilient in being able to 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 understand or at least to keep some distance between them and other people's junk right? Like, like they do soak it in. Don't get me wrong. They're little sponges and it will come in at some point. But at the same time, like I tell the story of when my dog died when I was young and my dog's name was Cottonball and he came with our house that we bought or she, I don't know. <laughs> Cottonball is vague to me in my mind. But my dad described cotton, the loss of Cottonball simply as Cottonball was gone. And 
this happens frequently to kids. Like, And so kids learn to kind of accept terminology that isn't quite right, doesn't quite fit, doesn't quite explain the situation. And so, you know, I think that as a kid, I didn't experience shame with that. I was just kind of sad, like that perplexity, that destabilizing of like cotton ball soft fur being available to me and then not available suddenly made me sad and there was longing there, but it didn't make me feel ashamed. Didn't feel like it was about me, the fact that cotton ball left. Now, you can see how this can go haywire for kids. But at the same time, as adults, then we often apply because of all of our old baggage and old stuff and things we didn't get that we needed when we were young often, the absence of certain moments where we needed to be secure and attached. Then as we age, we tend to um, feel like when we don't understand something, that there's something wrong with us that we should have, right? We start shoulding. We just say, oh, like this, you know, this is my problem. Like I should have known. I, if I would have only, right, is another common thing. And so the shame comes in and then we feel inadequate. I think especially in learned places. And I would say, again, we've talked about it before, Lutheranism tends to be a, an educated church to some degree. And so we, we love education. We have a lot of education. Our pastors and our church workers are quite educated. And so we tend to look at ourselves when we lack the knowledge we needed in a moment, like there's something wrong with us. The shame creeps in quickly. The inadequacy comes in, I think, uniquely in perplexity when you are used to knowing. When you can usually work your way out of a situation with your mind and your mental acuity. And so I think this emotion is actually quite important, especially to people who are used to relying on their knowledge, that there will be spaces we can't. And that that sense of disorder that exists, the destabilizing and us not knowing is also okay. And there's a place for God to connect to us there. And often, especially when we encounter God's mystery, the perplexity that comes is an important place of connection to God. And it, it usually knocks down that idol of, you know, the all-knowing Heidi, if you will. We are taking a look at the topic of perplexity in emotions in the gospel from Deaconess Heidi Gaiman. On this Mental Health Monday on the Coffee Hour, we'll continue the conversation in just a moment. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason, to use your God-given gifts to help others, to live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world, to live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live uncommon. Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is Mental Health Monday. We are looking at emotions and the gospel today, particularly looking at emotion of perplexity with Deaconess <laughs> Heidi Gaiman. And you can find her books and more information at HeidiGaiman.com. Emotions and the gospel, perplexity. We've unpacked perplexity a little bit. Let's talk about perplexity in the context of relationship. How does the experience of relationship help us handle perplexity? 
I think perplexity is one of those emotions that shows us that we need other people because a lot of times I don't have all the pieces to the puzzle, but good news, there's the body of Christ and there's the other relationships in my life that are made to be the hands, the feet, the nose, right? Like I'm not supposed to be every part and nor is my brain supposed to have every part. And so when someone reaches in and helps us connect dots or occasionally says, you know what? Sometimes it's just hard. There's nothing wrong with you. Life is just difficult. You are human, so you're not going to understand all the pieces. That kind of connecting experience, I feel like, is irreplaceable. That gets me to a stronger place, if you will, emotionally after I've gone through perplexity than I was before when I was trying to rely on my own knowledge and strength. And so whether that person is God in his word or the people of God around us in the body of Christ or a good friend who notices or who we share that we are experiencing some confusion, some perplexity, even that sense of shame, then that connection will bring us. It actually, scientifically speaking, if you want the uh, some of the neuroscience that we know is that it strengthens the vagal nerve. It strengthens that gigantic nerve that runs from our brain through all of our major organs through the middle of us. And when we have higher vagal tone, we call it similar to muscle tone, then we are more easily regulated. Regulation comes more naturally to us and a little faster. And so connection does that for us. It's pretty amazing. Like, good job, God. Not only did he knit all of these things together, but there's very specific neuroscience that we're starting to see that shows it to us. So how do we, how do we, how do we do that? How do we, well, yes, that too. <laughs> very, out. very interesting topic, maybe for another episode, because there is a whole lot there. But how do we approach that in each other? Mm-hmm. I mean, and there's a lot of vulnerability if you're feeling perplexed approaching somebody. But on the flip side, if somebody comes to you in the state of perplexity, how do we how do we approach that situation and I don't know, build build the build the bridges, fill the gaps, move yeah. the puzzle pieces, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I, I think so often we think giving someone the answer is what's going to help. Like, oh, I'll give you the missing piece of the puzzle. But like, guess what? I mean, there's so much in life. There's not the missing piece. That's why we have perplexity in especially the mystery of God and and the mysteries of like how brokenness and restoration and all of that work together. And so I present in the book a few statements that people often feel internally when the mental buttons, if you will, are pushed of shame in perplexity or that sense of inadequacy. When we look around us, a few of the statements would be, it isn't supposed to be this way. I should be able to understand this. I thought I had my ducks in a row or I had herded my cats, if you will. Um, And and one that I, I see a lot, I hear a lot is what's wrong with me that this is so hard? What's wrong with me that this is happening to me? And so I think answering those without an answer to the question, but instead and a sense of security, right? Because that's what's lacking. So bringing a little bit of order back, letting people know that I am here, that God is here, that you're right. It isn't supposed to be this way. There is God's narrative from creation to brokenness, to redemption, to restoration, 
that lets us know it isn't supposed to be this way, but he does have a plan in it that you don't have to understand everything. We are human is one of the most important statements you can make um, in relationship to perplexity is that we are not God. We are human and there will be things we don't understand. And that does not mean that there's something wrong with you. Also, our ducks never had a row. I mean, I think that is made up. And I think we can tell people, you know, we try our best in this life and there is some order, but like we only have limited control. And it's okay when things feel a little out of control. We're going to walk through this together. God is walking with us in it, even when it feels chaotic. Those are really important things. And and just, you know, there's nothing wrong with you. You know what's wrong? Brokenness, brokenness in the world. That hurts and it's hard. Um, but there's a lot of beauty in what God is bringing. I should say, and there's a lot of beauty because we don't want to butt someone. And so just letting them know like, hey, I'm here in this. I'm not going to leave. That gives a lot of order, right? That co-regulation that happens with someone's being present with us in the perplexity is way more powerful than an answer to our perplexity. I think this is really valuable as a parent mm. trying to, it, it, children have lots of questions, especially when something goes wrong, lots of questions or strong feelings or emotions when something goes wrong, when they can't get something right, even though they've tried a million times mm -hmm. or what have you, that this is, I think, really valuable. <laughs> to to understand and to grasp as a parent too that we don't always have to uh, we don't have to give an answer for an answer that that explains away everything. Mm -hmm. No, I think that's I think the answer we want is that God is real, right? Like yeah. it it makes me think of the youth gathering two times ago in Minneapolis, like real present God. Those are the things we need to know. And I think it's wild, like even on the day of Pentecost is an example I give, that the people, everything that was happening with the Holy Spirit, they were bewildered. That's like a similar language. They, they were like, what is happening? You know, it didn't quite fit. And so I think that shows us that God is absolutely okay with us not understanding. That's not necessarily his goal instead for us to be connected to him. And so then if you apply that to your children as well, that they need to be connected to you, connected to someone that's stable, then we show them God in it. And that's a greater stability. What a gift that is versus us always having the answer. You know, I think that's also an important kind of life lesson to let them know a point of resilience, if you will, that, you know, sometimes we don't have the answer. That's okay. We can either look for it or we can turn to God. We can help each other figure out how to walk through this without the answer. What are what do we learn from scripture regarding perplexity? How did you come across this when you were searching the scriptures for forgotten emotions in the Bible? <laughs> so one of my favorite scripture passages is, and it's it's kind of a like famous one, if you will, that we hear hear more frequently, Second Corinthians four, six through nine, for God who said let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Okay, now here's the important part. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. 
persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. I thought it was supremely interesting that perplexed made it in there, right? Like you think about like oppression or or persecution or the the weight of brokenness in the world. And perplexed isn't the first thing we think of. We think of these terms like crushed, struck down. But it is very encouraging to me that I can be confused, feeling a little disordered, maybe even a little inadequate, but not driven to despair because of the hope of Jesus Christ, because of the light he brings, even in the absence of my knowledge of a situation I think, again, that really speaks to the connection or our attachment to God that in the middle of it, we still have this massive umbilical cord tying us to God, that we are not driven down into the pit again because he is the one holding us. I think it's been really nice in in all of these emotions that we've been talking about. And I mean, frankly, through the entire book that every time something feels hard, it's always like, but look to God, (laughs) because (laughs) this is this is the ultimate where we find peace and comfort and hope. And even when we're perplexed, like it it very plainly says that. Yeah. Scripture. Yeah. And if if you pick up the book, there's this cool story, too, from from Daniel and It's really interesting. I just want to say that humans are the only ones who are perplexed. And I think that's endlessly comforting, endlessly comforting. And there is so much gospel in so many ways, in so many directions from God. When we actually just let him tend to our emotions, when we're connected to him in them, instead of feeling like they separate us from him. Mm -hmm. So in all of this, in our in our learning from scripture and what happened a very long time ago to our culture now, why is this so hard for us today to, to feel, to, to think that we're allowed to feel perplexed? It's mm-hmm. a really good question. I actually think it, particularly speaking to the culture right now, especially in 21st century America, and it got extra weird with COVID-19 too, like that we're supposed to know things that we are not experts on, nor do we have any education on. There are people who know certain things and we all have our wheelhouses or our lanes, if you will. And that has gotten so mishmashed. I don't understand why there's so much pressure. I think there's always been, you know, if you think back to the the Greeks and the Romans um, and even other cultures before that in Babylon, like there's always been these learned men and hopefully women, if you will, right? There's always been the people who know and they're fancy. And so I think the, th- the thing is our culture values, our cultures across the globe value people who are smart. It's one of the enduring things that seems to last. We appreciate beauty. We appreciate smart, right? Um, it's uniquely weird right now that we think we need to be smart in everything, though. There is a ton of pressure in that. And so I think letting God tend to our unique time and place and culture means also saying out loud, you know what? I don't know about that. I That perplexes me can be extremely freeing instead of feeling like we have to have an answer. So the question I honestly think, not only will it feel like gospel to us to say, I don't know, that's perplexing, but it will also feel like gospel to people around us because then they're invited to also, you know, just be connected to God and to one another rather than having to have the answer when everyone is trying to have the answer on social media. I have to say I'm extremely gifted at this one. (laughs) 
being you're good perplexed. at perplexity. And, and perplexing others. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yes, 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 yes. Me too. Me too. Well, and if you think about the adjacent emotion of awe, right? I think mm. we want a little perplexity. Like we don't want the wonder and the mystery of God wrapped from us. So when we are perplexed, we can, you know, marry both, live in the discomfort of it, and also note the comfort and the the awe, the the like amazement that comes along with that and something bigger than us being available. We have just about a minute left. I want to go back to the parent thing. Do you have any examples as a parent of where you've used where, where you've talked about perplexity in a parent-child relationship where it's been helpful to understand perplexity? Yeah, I think, well, especially when there are things we can't explain to kids or we really need to have a developmental level that doesn't really give all the answers. Like when we're when we're nestled up next to the idea that we're like, well, I can't really tell them the whole thing, you know, like that would be inappropriate or too much. That's a place of perplexity. So embrace that a little bit and be honest about what you know and what, you know, is just maybe a lot. And so we're just, you know, we'll talk about that another time and then also be honest about what you don't know. That goes a really long way with kids. They, that is a kind of an attachment oriented way of communicating, of knowing one another and discovering together rather than being the authority who always has the answer. Very good. Perplexity in Emotions and the Gospel. Great book. I'm learning a lot. We only have a little bit more in the book, but we have more conversations. Don't (laughs) worry. We have more conversations. We'll wrap up the book soon. Emotions of the Gospel from Heidi Gaiman. Thanks so much, Heidi. Always great to chat with you here on Mental Health Monday. See you next week. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you. Anytime. Anywhere. Anywhere.